Okay, so put on your thinking caps, everybody. There's going to be a quiz, all right? We're going to do math this morning. I know you like that. And I, I, I thought, you know, what, what could I do to endear myself to the people? Uh, let's do a math quiz, is what I said to myself. So we're going to do a little math quiz. All right, so you have a bat and a ball. We know a couple of things about this. The total cost, this is uh, really old, uh, this is old math, uh, is $1.10, which we know is kind of silly. But anyway, $1.10. We, we know that combined, these two things cost $1.10. Now, we also know that one, the bat cost a dollar more than the ball. So how much does the bat cost? Oh, see, y'all are really smart. $1.05. So what you're supposed to say is a dollar, and I'm going to go, no, because that's how this is going to go. Let's do it again. Uh, okay, dollar, dollar, uh, dollar, uh, this is a dollar more. Yeah, so we, we go to typically, we'll say, oh, this is a dollar, and that's 10 cents, but that's not a dollar difference. That's just 90 cents difference. So $1.05 is the right answer. Whoever got that, thank you for ruining my illustration. Appreciate that. <laughs> The reason we do that is because zero is so... Zero is our friend, right? It's clean. It's so like a dollar and and ten, that that would have made sense. And do you know, and I don't want you to do this right now, and I know several of you will do it anyway, even though I just said don't do it. But if you get on your phone and you get on the calculator on your phone and you divide anything by a zero... Uh, your phone will blow up. Uh, it cannot do it. You can't divide by a zero because sometimes, and I think that, by the way, I think artificial intelligence will take over when they make every computer at the same time divide by zero and everything will just explode. Well, today we're starting a series called Fuzzy Math, and the subtitle is brilliant, When What God Does Doesn't Add Up. And sometimes we're going to look at stories in Scripture where God does some things and you go to yourself, well, that doesn't work or that won't work. And yet God somehow makes it work. So we're going to be in the book of Joshua. If you want to find that, let's see, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Sixth book in the Old Testament. We're going to be right at the first of Joshua. And let me set up the story for you. Okay, so. We're going to talk about Joshua, and he fights the battle of Jericho. And if you were a kid in church, you heard this story, and they march around. But you have to, there's a, I, I love the idea, there's a backstory to everything. And there's a backstory that gets us to the battle of Jericho. We're going to talk about that today. So, uh, let, let me remind you of a couple things. Now, uh, Joshua fights the battle of Jericho, but long before that, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Cana, the promised land. All right, so God has delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, they've, there are these ten plagues. They walk through the Red Sea. Uh, they're going toward the promised land. And God says, hey, 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 Moses, send in some spies, 12 spies, one from each of the tribes, and go and see, check out the land, and see if it's not exactly what I said. Because God said, I want to give you this land flowing with milk and honey. And so these 12 spies, they go in, they search the land, and they are, well, some of them, most of them, 10 of them, are really intimidated. They're scared. They get there, and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And it is flowing with milk and honey, and there's plenty of water, and there's plenty of grazing land for our, our, our animals. However, 
The people that currently occupy the land are giants. <laughs> they, they said, we are, we are grasshoppers in their sight. They are huge and we are not huge and we are scared and let's not go in. Now, that's 10 of the 12. Now, there are two dudes who say, okay, we can, we can do it. Their names are Caleb and Joshua. And Caleb is one of them. He silences the people and he says to Moses, we should go up and take possession of the land. We can do it. God said, go. We say, giddy up. I mean, let's go do it. Now, whenever you're discerning God's plan for your life, it's really, really easy to be intimidated. It really is. Uh, I read this interesting story about a guy named Marty Springfield. He was um, a, a baseball umpire in, in the major leagues. And it was his first assignment, and, and um, he is uh, calling the, the first batter, and it's a guy named uh, uh, Frank Howard, who was a mountain. He was a mountain of a man. And so uh, Springfield uh, is behind the plate. First ball comes in, it's kind of low, and he calls it a strike. And Frank Howard, I mean, this he is hulking. He looks around and he said, listen, buddy, you're new to this league. That's not a strike on me. And so second pitch, same place. <laughs> Springfield said, two. And Howard said, two what? He goes, too low. Uh, it's too low. <laughs> so it's, it's easy to be intimidated. So 12 spies go in. Ten of them are intimidated. They say, we just can't go in. And Caleb and Joshua are like, no, no, God said that we can do it. But here's the thing. When seeking God's guidance, it's easy to let fear get the best of us. It's easy. Um, we overthink. We, we overanalyze. And so they, uh, the vote was 10 to 2. <laughs> 10 spies against, 2 spies for. They went with the majority. By the way, the majority isn't always right. They went with the majority, and they decided to not go into the promised land. And now they're... It's interesting to me. The Israelites find themselves between a rock and a hard place often. So they've been delivered through the Red Sea. Now they're on the other side. They're in the wilderness. They can't go into the promised land. They can't go back to Egypt. So what are they going to do? So they wander in the wilderness for 40 long years. They've been enslaved for 400. They wander for, for 40. It's a lot of wasted effort, a lot of wasted time. And just because they were too scared to go in. Now, here's something I really find interesting. Even while they're wandering, God is protecting and providing. Even they have basically said, God, we know what you want us to do, but we're just not going to do it. We call that rebellion. God, we know what you want us to do, but we just, we just don't want to. God gives us this thing called free will. We have choices that we make. And even when we choose wrong, or wrongly, even when we make the wrong choice, God provides, God protects. They are wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They have food, they have water, they're protected, God takes care of them. And in rebellion, sometimes we will wander. And even when we wander, God provides and he protects us. And so these folks wander for 40 long years. And then that generation dies off, 
And their leader, his name was Moses, he dies off. And there's a new leader, and his name is Joshua. He comes into power, and they decide it's time to take, after 40 years, it's time to take the promised land. And Joshua is now the leader. He's kind of an old guy because he's a, he and Caleb are the only two of that generation that survive. And he's an older guy, and he's got a bunch of young guys, and they're ready to take the promised land. And so, super interesting to me. So when the Israelites left Egypt, God parted the Red Sea, and they, they crossed through. And now the promised land is there, but their first obstacle is the Jordan River at flood stage. Now, we don't know exactly what flood stage would look like for the Jordan River. There are places where the Jordan River will be a mile wide during flood stage. And just like God parted the Red Sea, God backs up the Jordan River and he lets the people cross through. So um, that story is really interesting to me. The priests are supposed to, they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. That's a box that sort of symbolizes the presence of God. And it's, it's flood stage, and their, their task is go step into the river, and it will back up. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on duty that day. Honestly, as a priest, it's like, oh, I don't know, I, uh, I feel a little sick. Uh, but, but they step into the water, and it starts to back up, and everybody passes through. Now, <laughs> I would think, I, I would be hustling, wouldn't you? I mean, here you are, there's a wall of water, I'm getting through there pretty fast. I'm getting there pretty there, and, and I don't know how long it was, how wide it was, let's say a half mile, it's pretty wide. And so they, they get through, and the priests are there, and Joshua says, we need to set up a memorial. It's really important to set up memorials in your life. We don't want to ever forget what God has done for us. By the way, MIT researchers have discovered that uh, oral tradition uh, about certain people or things typically will only last 5 to 20 years. So if something happens in your life that you really want to m memorialize, you should because um, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave your mind if you're not careful. We do this in America. I, I researched this. The five um, most recognized memorials or monuments or statues in America. Let's see if you know these. What's that? Great. What's that? Mount Rushmore, yes. You know this one? <laughs> You're less sure on this one. Uh, Washington Monument, what's this one? Lincoln Memorial, do you know this one? The Big Peach and Gaffney. Yeah, okay, great. All right. I knew you'd know that one. Okay. Five most recognizable uh, uh, features in America. Okay, so the lesson is this. Be intentional to remember what God has done for you. It was really important. Joshua, is he, is he is fresh as the leader. Now, he's been watching Moses. He's seen Moses lead. He, he, he noticed some things about Moses. Uh, le leadership is a lot about, okay, I'm going to take the good of what that guy did, and I'm going to you know, not do the stuff he did wrong. I'm going to learn from his mistakes. You don't, have to, you don't have to make every mistake for yourself. And one of the things Joshua decided he wanted to do was, I want, he's, basically he said, I want my people to remember what God is doing for them. Because, I mean, that other generation, they had ten plagues. They had the parting of the Red Sea. 
They had a, the Bible tells us that there was a cloud of fire at night that led the Israelites, a cloud of, uh, a cloud of cloud by day. And so they had seen the movement of God. It's, it's really important for us. When we're making decisions, sometimes we need to be reminded that God does and has done really cool things in our lives. And so they cross from the wilderness into the promised land, and God has promised them this. Now, it's going to take some work, and I want you to think about something. These young bucks who are going to take the promised land, none of them have ever been in a battle, ever. Joshua, never been in a battle ever the deliverance from the egyptian was uh, the egyptians was all done by god the 10 plagues the the red sea covers them up god delivered them god did it all and now you've got young guys who have never seen battle and they're probably eager it's not like you won't be eager i'm not sure joshua at his age was eager but he's leading guys who have no idea what it's like to fight and now they're going to go in and they're going to fight. And they, 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 put their, they put their foot into the promised land. And their first obstacle now is Jericho. And everybody knows about Jericho. Huge walls, armaments, uh, seasoned fighters. This is the JV team going against a college team. I mean, this was this isn't even going to be a fair fight on paper. It just doesn't add up. Yet God has something else in mind. Have you ever, like, it's yours, but it's not just yours yet? So you test drive a car, and and uh, uh, you sign the papers, but you still have to get it transferred into your name. It's yours, but it's not yours. Or you you make an offer on a house, and and they accept the offer, but it's it's yours, but it's not yours yet. I had an instance where I sold a house. Um, the, the the offer had been accepted, but it, we hadn't closed on it. So until it closes, it's mine, right? It's still mine, even though it's sold to you. And I came home one day, and there were guys putting up a fence that the new owners wanted, but it wasn't theirs yet. Like, well, uh, I'm going to make this. Uh, I'm going to uh, void the contract, and I'll get a fence. Uh, so. Uh, b- b- it's, it's, it's yours, but it's not quite yours yet. You, you rent an Airbnb and you show up and, and you, you're at the right place, but it's not yours until you get the code, you know? So they're in the promised land, they're looking at the promised land, and it's going to be theirs. The second really smart thing that Joshua does, he causes them to recommit. Before they, they act. All right, so you know these young guys, they are ready to fight. I get a promised land, I get a piece of land for me and my, my wife and my kids, and we're going to go in, we're going to take over. And, and Joshua brilliantly says, whoa, 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 whoa. So now there are different ways to commit to things. Um, you sign a lease, that's a commitment. Um, you're a couple and you become a married couple, that's a commitment. Um, 
like you're an addict and you want to get off of whatever you're on, then you, like if you're an alcoholic, you throw away the bottle, you know, you, you throw away the pills, uh, you, you, you make a commitment. Well, these boys made a commitment, if you know what I mean. Look at this. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise. That's a commitment. Uh, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents. Uh, circumcise the Israelites again. Now, somebody asked me after the first service, what does it mean again? Like, do they get circumcised twice? Uh, that would be horrible. Uh, I believe, best I can understand, um, that the practice, um, scholars believe the practice of circumcision sort of fell away while they were in, uh, while they were in the wilderness. And so this was kind of reinstituting the process or the, 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 um, the act of commitment through circumcision. So these are adult males being circumcised. I'm not going to, the picture's too much for me. Uh, let's go on. Uh, I, the rest of the sermon, I, I want to do it like this. Uh, all right, so. Um, sorry, sorry. You might want to edit that out, Chris. I don't know. My mother watches these. Uh, so I think she's the only one. Okay. Then they do this. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camping at Gilgal, it's a town, uh, on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrate Passover. All right, think about what they're doing. Joshua is bringing to mind, these are two things that God has instituted in their nation. Circumcision is a sign of commitment. Uh, Passover is a remembrance of what God has done. And so he's saying, hey, here's some things... If we're going to go into this, then we need to think about, not that we're going to go in with our strength and might and power and youth. God is our deliverer. He always has been. He always will be. If we have success, it will be because of God. So he hits the pause button, and they camp, and they pray, and they're circumcised, and they observe Passover, and these are uh, uh, Jewish rituals that they do, that they did, because they wanted to be reminded of what God has done. And I've never been a soldier. I don't know about being a soldier, but I do believe if I was a soldier going into battle, I would want to make certain that I was right with God. And this process to me, I mean, I just can't imagine. These guys you know are, are just crazy eager to go in and take it. And yet, here is Joshua, and he's establishing himself as the leader. Now think about this. Up until this time, there's been... Joshua has been kind of Moses' right-hand man. But there's there's Joshua and Moses and God, and, and Moses was the buffer, and now Moses is gone, the buffer's gone, and he is in leadership, and he has taken over. And, and if they can defeat Jericho, they will have a foothold in the promised land. I don't know if y'all do this, but like when the football season is about to start, I'll look at the schedule, right? And I'll say, oh, if we can beat them, then we'll make a name for ourselves. They'll know we're for real. We beat them. We are for real. You know? So for Kentucky, that would be Vanderbilt. Uh, uh, we are for real. You know? Uh, who, who, who do we have to beat to be for real? And 
for them it was, okay, we've got to, we've got to win. You can't lose the first game because then you're going to get wiped out. We've got to beat Jericho. And think about it from this perspective. Joshua has taken over for one of the greatest leaders of all time. I mean, Moses, even today, people are like, he's one of the greatest leaders of all time. Nobody ever says that about Joshua, particularly. Have you ever thought about this? What would it be like to replace Steve Jobs at Apple? I mean, Steve Jobs was brilliant. He was innovative. What would it have been like for the guy that that replaced Steve Jobs? What about the guy that's going to replace Bill Gates at Microsoft? You know, there's a guy that replaced Alexander the Great. I mean, think about it. His name was the Great. The dude that replaced him, here's a picture. He's Philip the Slightly Above Average. Uh, It's not even that great. I made that up. That's really not true. I just made that up. So you you have Joshua as the leader and... If I've taken over for the greatest leader I've ever known and and maybe the greatest leader I've ever heard of, I'm going to be a little intimidated by that. Now look at what it says. This is God's message. Put on your theological caps and tell me what the theme of this is, God's message to, uh, to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What is God saying to him? Be strong and courageous. And some of us need to hear that today. Look, you're in a bad situation and God is saying to you, be strong and courageous. For the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. Too many times we give in to fear. We know what God wants us to do. We just know it. Uh, in, our, in, our, uh, in the marrow of our bones, we feel it. And today he's saying to you, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And here's what's crazy. <laughs> Joshua heads toward Jericho, and as far as he knows, there's really not a plan to overtake it. Now, I I don't know about you, but I'm not good at just like setting out without knowing like where I'm going. In fact, there's a there's an old slogan that says, uh, "Failing to plan is planning to fail." You all know that, right? Well, there was a plan. Just Joshua didn't know it yet. I mean, God God had a plan. God knew what he was doing. Have you ever, like, um, sometimes I'll get put put an address into my GPS, and the other day I was going somewhere, and it didn't take me to the right spot. Uh, I did this one time in Tennessee, and uh, I ended up meeting these folks. And so, you know, uh, it's a little scary. If you're really, really young and don't know who they are, ask old people. Uh, So... So, Joshua now, I, I can just, I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes. All right, so he's thinking to himself, okay, okay, okay. What I know about this Jericho is they've got really, really tall and thick walls. They're impenetrable. 
Um, so I don't exactly know what I'm going to do. And you know that in his group, I mean, it was like uh, tens and thousands of people. Somebody probably said, so what's the plan? You know there was somebody that said, hey, what's the plan? And Joshua would have, would have said, okay, well, we're going to go and we're going to be courageous because God said he's going to give us this. Like, well, that's really not a plan, bro. So he sends some spies in. Hey, go, go check out Jericho. Tell us what's going on in Jericho. So the spies come back and they say, well, okay, okay, here's the deal. Uh, they're scared, really, really scared of you, and the walls are really, really tall and really, really thick. Like, okay, well, that really didn't help me. Um, they're scared. I'm happy about that. But <laughs> if I'm Joshua, I, I don't even know what I would do. And yet, in obedience, he's heading that direction. And all the people are behind him. They're heading that direction. And he really still doesn't know the plan. I mean, sometimes God will say, I need you to go, and then I'll tell you the plan on the way. I'll tell you the plan on the way. He did the same thing with Abraham. Hey, go that direction, and I'll tell you where we're going to go when, when you start moving. It's easier, they say, easier to steer a car if it's rolling. And sometimes you just step out in faith, and then God gives you the guidance. So, now, look what happens. This is interesting. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, so they've been walking, they're getting that direction, he looked up, so in my mind, this is what he's thinking about, you know, I'm going to attack from the right, I'm going to come in from the left, I'm going to see if there's a, a weak spot in the wall. He's kind of walking with his head down, and it says, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Okay. Um, my first response to that would be to go the other way. There's a dude in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, and I don't know him. Look what Joshua does. Joshua went up to him. He's a bad boy. I mean, that, is, that takes some guts. He went up to him, and he asked, and I'm going to do this in Kentucky ease, are you for us or against us? Because what he asked. Are you for me or against me? Are you for our side or are you for our enemies? That is the perfect question. Now, Many scholars believe that this was what, what we call a pre-incarnation of Christ. And you'll see why that makes sense in just a second. That maybe that was it, was, it was either an angel or it was Jesus. And he walks up to him and he said, are you for us or are you against us? Now, the answer is confounding. Neither. Some translations say No. Miriam had, a, had a, a roommate when she was in seminary. Her name was Esty, and she was from Switzerland and didn't speak a lot of English. And I would say, um, uh, I would say things like, uh, uh, Esty, are you, uh, um, how is your day going? And she would say, yes. It's like, it's not even the right answer. I mean, it's not even the answer to the question. How are, how are things going? Yes. Uh, so, so this is kind of like that. Uh, are you for us or against us? Neither. No. Like, well... Well, the problem is Josh was asking the wrong question. It's not, are you for us or against us? <laughs> the question is really, um, not are you on our side, but are Joshua, are you on God's side? That's the real question. 
I, I want to be on your team, Lord. Uh, see, he's asking kind of the re- wrong question. Now, now look at... But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking to myself, well, I thought I was the commander of the Lord's army. I thought that was me. Too often, we are, are, are too concerned about getting our own way, getting the glory Joshua, I, I mean, if I'm a military leader, I'm thinking to myself, man, if I can take Jericho, we're going to make a name for ourselves, and people are going to know who we are. And this this angel or this uh, uh, pre-incarnation of Christ says, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Here, here's the point. You, you let him lead. You let him lead. I love what Tony Evans, who's a great pastor in Dallas, said. He said, when the commander of the army of the Lord showed up, he didn't take sides, he took over. And and there's this idea that, okay, well, he's going to take over. And look at what happens. This is why I think it was probably Christ. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? You know what a servant does? He does what he's told. He doesn't have his own will. He doesn't have his own plan. If you're a servant, you do what your master says. The the Hebrew word is ebed. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. And when, when mortal men encounter glorified Jesus, this is the response. We, we fall, we fall down. Uh, look at what happened in Revelation. John, Jesus is one of his best friends. He saw Jesus and he says, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. Super interesting to me. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I mean, if there is a common message in scripture, it's do not be afraid. No matter what you're facing, do not be afraid. And so Joshua falls face down in reverence and says, what do you want me to do? Uh, just tell me how to lead. And look at the response. Super interesting. The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals. You've heard this before, I think. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. Whoa. Where would Joshua have heard that? Well, it happened with Moses, right? Moses sees this bush. It's burning. It's like, hey, that's burning, but it's not being consumed. I ought to go check it out. He's walking over there, and a voice comes from the bush, and it says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. And you know that Joshua's heard that story. I mean, he, he and Moses, they're, they're boys. I mean, they're, they're buddies. He's been with him for decades, you know, you know Moses said, hey, dude, let me tell you how this all got started. One time I was tending my father-in-law's sheep, and I was on this mountain, and I saw this bush, and it was burning. I went up to it and said, do not come any closer. For the place you stand is holy ground. Take off your sandals. And so this harkens back to, oh, this is a continuation of what God promised Moses. And this is what God promised Moses. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So 
I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And when the commander of the Lord's army says to Joshua, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, I would suspect that Joshua remembers all of this. Oh, God has promised that he is going to give us this land of milk and honey. Here's the point. God keeps his promises. Now, it took decades. He doesn't always work at the speed we wish, but he does deliver what he promises. Okay, so um, I've often thought about this. What, what is the deal with taking your shoes off on holy ground? <laughs> it's like, that didn't make any sense to me. So I did a little research on it. This is really, uh, I found it quite interesting. So God said to Moses, don't come any closer. Don't, don't approach this burning bush. However, I want you to take your shoes off because the ground is holy and I want you to get closer. Don't get closer, but get closer. And there's this tension, and we see it in Scripture all the time. There's this tension around, okay, well, God is our loving Heavenly Father, but He's also to be revered. I, I knew what that was like as a, as a boy. I had a dad. He was a great dad. He was a loving father, but I also knew to reverence him. I mean, you know, uh, I talked back once. Uh, you know, it's not like you do that very often. You you knew he loved you, but you also knew he demanded respect. There's this tension. This is holy ground. Don't get any closer, but get closer. And, and this is what happens with Joshua. Now, he again assures him, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Don't be afraid. It's simultaneously humbling and encouraging. Uh, Joshua, you're not going to get glory for this, but you're still going to win. It's humbling and encouraging. And then God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Now, this is not the plan I would have come up with. I'm not a military genius. Uh, I'm genius in other ways. Uh, but not as a military man. But this is the plan God comes up with. All right, so march around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carrying trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go in, and everyone will go in, and that's how we're going to win. So... This should be when he follows up with, oh yeah, by the way, be strong and courageous because uh, that is a whack plan. I've watched a whole bunch of movies. I've watched movies about conquering the city, the citadel, you know. Here's the, here are the seven top strategies. You break a hole in the wall, climb over the wall, you launch projectiles at the wall, you hurl diseased dead animals uh, over the wall, you set fire to the wall, you cut off the supplies before the people behind the wall, you bribe somebody within the walls. 
Not one time in those movies I've watched, they say, hey, uh, uh, circle it seven times, blow a trumpet and go, yeah, and uh, it's going to fall. Not one time. And yet, this is God's strat- strategy. Can you imagine the grandkids are the people who did that, who marched around? I could just imagine, hey, hey, pops, how did y'all defeat Jericho? Well, it's a great story. We marched around for seven days, and on the seventh day, we marched around seven times, and we went, Grr! and the grandkids is going, dementia. Uh, you know, it is like crazy talk. And yet, this is the plan because if you do any of these things, this is good strategy. If you come up to me after this is over and you say, hey, dude, let's go take the citadel. I'll say, okay, which of these things do you want to do? This is a good plan. This is fine planning right here. I came up with this off the top of my head. I didn't even look this up. I watched enough stuff to know. This is good. Except if Joshua and the boys had done this, then Joshua and the boys would have gotten credits. And the way it was done meant that God was going to get the credit. Let me wrap it up with this. You obey even when it doesn't add up. When Joshua had spoken to the people, can you imagine? All right, boys, here's the strategy. Here's what God said for us to do. We're going to walk around. We're going to blow trumpets. We're going to go, "Eh," and the walls are going to come down. (laughs) Except when he says to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord covenant followed them, and they did exactly what God said, and they got the victory, and the wall fell, and God got the glory. And you're saying, okay, well, what's that got to do with today? All right, I'm glad you asked. Let's end with this. Every day, God challenges us to do difficult things. Every day. Every day, there's a wall that you have to knock down. So Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, turn the other cheek. That's really hard to do. It's incredibly difficult. Jesus said, go the extra mile. Somebody compels you to go one mile, go with him a second mile. It's really difficult to do. There's a wall in my mind that says, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to obey that. That's, that's stupid. Why would I? He, Jesus says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He's like, I don't think so. My natural inclination is to not do that. That is a wall. And every day, we have the opportunity to obey even difficult things. Or not. We have the ability, the opportunity to obey. Give to those who ask. Don't worry. Keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. And we march around those walls Every day. Every day. So the question we're going to end with, or the statement we're going to end with, is this. I'm going to obey. Is this, is, is this, is this you? Can you say this? I'm going to obey even when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to obey even when it's really difficult to obey. Father, 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for this amazing story. Thank you that you got glory, and that's what we want from our lives. We want to be like Joshua right now. We want to fall at your feet, and we want to say, what do you want from your servant? And when you tell us, will you help us obey? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.